0: Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Lift off. We have a liftoff.
1: off. Hello and welcome to the Virginia Solar Summit live stream and podcast. I'm your host Dan French. Thanks for listening. The Virginia Solar Summit live stream and podcast is recorded before a live participatory audience. Plug into the Renaissance, connect with pros, and participate in the next episode live on our website at virginiasolarsummit.com slash livestream. The Virginia Solar Summit livestream is brought to you by Dominion Energy, leveraging innovation for a clean energy future. Hashtag speak louder. Learn more at dominionenergy.com. As well as Mission Disposal, the essential site services company specializing in day-to-day supply and sanitation needs during solar and commercial construction. Learn more at missiondisposal.com. On this episode, the first episode ever, a two-part series, one of our founding collaborators, Appalachian Voices, and their legislative director, Chelsea Barnes. Appalachian Voices was founded in 1997 and ever since has been the region's grassroots advocate for healthy communities and environmental protection and a leading force in Appalachia's shift from fossil fuels to clean energy and a just future. Chelsea Barnes is Appalachian Voices' legislative director, She manages federal legislative work related to abandoned coal mine reclamation, Black Lung, and Coalfield Community Revitalization and Transition, as well as its Southwest Virginia legislative portfolio at the Virginia General Assembly, including specifically solar and just transitions policies. Chelsea joined me for a nice long chat as part of a longer conversation for our first live stream, which also included Mr. Vince Maiden, the Brownfields Program Coordinator at the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality, which you'll be able to listen to in part two. So I've introduced you, Chelsea, and gave you a bio. But uh, let's begin at the beginning. Please introduce yourself. Welcome to the show.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me today. Um, yeah, I'm our legislative director at Appalachian Voices, managing both um, you know our federal work and then our um, Southwest Virginia work, policy work. Um, I spent about ten years as a as a policy analyst. Um, as part of the Desire Project, if folks are you know uh, deep in the clean energy policy world, you've probably used the Desire database. That's where I got my my start on clean energy policy many years ago in North Carolina. Um, and then launched a, uh, a business with my colleagues called EKI Research, a clean energy policy consulting company that um, I worked with that, organ- that company for about five years. And then a few years ago, decided I really wanted to dig in on, on advocacy um, and found my, my home here at Appalachian Voices, moved to Virginia and have been helping with the um, really amazing economic development work um, that Appalachian Voices has been doing for um, five or six years here um, in the coal field region of Virginia. So the last few years, I've been really focused on helping to bring a solar industry to the region. Um, You know, for for us, it is just so crucial that we are bringing along these coal field communities that have powered our nation for more than a century. Um, You know, we need to bring them along in the clean energy revolution. So I'm just super proud of the work that that our organization does in this region. Um, And, you know, I think it's it's so critical if we want to have a successful transition to 100 percent clean energy. We got it. We got to bring everyone along. So we're doing the work right right here where it matters the most.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And it is kind of here right now. And tell me a little bit more about the specific work because I've even seen you at local meetings and things like that you guys are really in Appalachian Voices you're kind of going community by community and project by project um, to, to help you know encourage as, each of these as best you can.
0: Yeah so you know we're uh, Appalachian Voices work broadly touches on a lot of different issues and um, policy matters and technology here in southwest Virginia we are part of the solar work group of southwest Virginia Um, That is a a coalition of organizations, including the Nature Conservancy and Department of Energy, Department of Mines, Minerals and Energy, now the Department of Energy. um, And um, people incorporated a low income housing provider and a lot of our local governments here in Southwest Virginia, where we've been um, doing really great solar work for for about the past five years as part of this work group. That is really locally driven work. Um, The localities here, we're among the first to get SoulSmart certified in Appalachia, Um, so we're really proud of that. Um, Southwest Virginia is is open for business and that's just really becoming apparent here, especially in the last few weeks even. We've had so many big announcements about um, really big solar projects that um, really just are proof that the work that we've been doing for the past five years, that community-driven work, um, is is really making a difference. so yeah, I mean, I guess some of the really exciting stuff that's been happening um, a couple of weeks ago announced um, a 75 megawatt solar project in Buchanan County, uh, which is a, a coal field community. That project is gonna be on um, an abandoned mineland site. It's getting federal funding from this uh, abandoned mineland pilot program, which is an economic development program from the, the federal government um, that will power tens of thousands of Virginia homes um, and, and create hundreds of jobs. In Buchanan County, and that's on top of um, so that's 75 megawatts. If you're counting, then we've got about um, 150, 120 megawatts from the Nature Conservancy across their various abandoned mine land programs. So we expect in the next five years, we're going to see almost, about 200 megawatts of utility-scale solar on coal mine land right here in Southwest Virginia, and that is all just from innovative um, projects, collaborative projects. And folks having the vision to see these mine lands and think we could put solar on those mine lands. So really exciting stuff happening in the uh, mineland, solar development world right now. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And and what about kind of uh, Appalachian Voices? I know, uh, and I think I mentioned at the top, you guys have won some some grants. I was plugged into the, uh, the Appalachian Regional Commission had its awards. Uh, show uh, last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago now, and you guys uh, took down one of those grants. So congratulations, uh, well, de- well deserved. And um, what are you going to do with it?
0: <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, um, you know, I have this. I'm so excited. We did win this um, large grant from it's a 1.5 million dollar grant from the Appalachian Regional Commission that is going to go support hard to reach projects throughout the coal field region of Appalachia. So not just in Virginia, but across um, the central Appalachia region. Um, And that is going to support um, things like commercial, small commercial projects that it's really hard to get PPA financing for, or nonprofits that just can't access um, grant funding for one reason or another, or school projects that, um, you know, they just need some extra technical assistance to push a project from, from beginning to end um, because, you know, school staff is just too overstretched to really dedicate time to those projects. So that's really the goal with that fund is to, support those um, hard to reach projects that would be really good solar projects and really impactful solar projects in the places where they are, you know, really saving schools money, helping a small business stay afloat throughout COVID. Um, You know, those are the projects this fund is going to target. And it's been um, a long time in the making. We got a technical assistance grant several years ago um, to develop the, um, to develop the idea for the fund. I, Uh, like remember sitting in a coffee shop in Richmond, like working on this while I'm also trying to, uh, (laughs) lobby at the legislature. Um, you know, so we've been, uh, really, uh, working on it hard for a couple, uh, for a few years now. Um, and just finally won this grant and we're really excited to launch that fund here in the coming months. So, um, if you haven't seen the announcement, it's the, um, the Appalachian Solar Finance Fund, you can, you can Google it and it should pop up and there are ways to sign up to get updates. So if you're a solar developer and you've got projects that are in the Appalachian region that you think um, could just use a little funding boost or a little financing help, um, you know, please, please stay in touch or um, find, find the website and stay in the loop because it's, it's going to be some exciting work.
1: Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, the Solar Finance Fund, seeing Appalachian Voices add that to kind of your your toolbox is just tremendous. You've been putting up great resources. You know, you show up to the meetings, you're doing all these things. But to step into the crannies of the capital stack and help uh, all of these kind of right there projects get over the hump and become viable, I think that really greases the wheel. And and will help uh, again fill the gaps because the great thing about Virginia is you know it wasn't starting from scratch with the Clean Energy Act. I mean, the last couple of years it's been more formalizing and de- the markets have been developing structure. But there was a lot of corporate solar that had gone in in the years prior and a lot of other projects. Um, and that's why I think we've seen such a such a turn. We've seen Dominion Energy em- just fully embrace in the private sector. I think everyone is is kind of aligned. Um, but that doesn't mean that the market is perfect. The free market is a free market, and so everything that you guys are, are doing there at Appalachian Voices has helped get us here. But now with the fund, um, and thanks to Appalachian or yeah the Appalachian Regional Commission um, to make it happen. I mean, we're really we really are lining up a lot of the things that we're going to need to to build, you know, our highest and best Renaissance uh, as collaboratively and equitably and inclusively uh, as we can. And you mentioned schools, so. Even, you know, we have a lot of these places, big buildings with large roofs and some extra the back, the back 20, you know, are next to the solar, big parking lots and all these things. Um, talk, talk to me more about how you guys are helping, you know, the, the hyper-local institutions, um, you know, uh, get in, plugged into the Renaissance.
0: Yeah, so it's been you know trying to get access uh, for schools for uh, to solar has been um, gosh a really long battle. Um, but we have finally made some real progress. Just um, a couple weeks ago, we announced, or the um, the Solar developer Secure Futures <laughs> announced that they're um, moving forward with the first school solar project west of Roanoke. Um, that's going to be right here in Wise County, um, and it is just phenomenal work that has taken place over a number of years, you know, um, power purchase agreements have been blocked in Southwest Virginia, um, and until just this past year. Um, And now with that opening up from, you know, work at the General Assembly, uh, we're I feel like we're just going to see a wave of solar projects. So we've been working closely with a lot of the local governments and um, Local schools here that they're primed and ready, um, and now that PPAs are finally available in Southwest Virginia, um, you know I think we're just going to see so much uh, success. You know, and that has come from the Virginia Clean Economy Act expanded the Power Purchase Agreement program to Old Dominion Power and Appalachian Power. That was 2020. Um, then in 2021, we had to get clarification from the General Assembly that schools and local governments were eligible for that PPA pilot for that PPA program. Um, And then we had to keep working hard at the local level um, with my friend, Carol Davis, who's leading the the charge from Blacksburg. Um, She did really amazing work with um, the steering committee of local governments in APCO territory to make sure that their new contracts allowed for PPAs and net metering. So just all that um, local collaboration, policy work at the state level and local work (laughs) all came together. So now that we have this um, first solar project on a school um, in, in the Coalfield region of Virginia and even just, you know, West Roanoke, it's just kind of kind of amazing that it took this long. But like now we're here and it's really exciting. I think we're just going to see the floodgates opening up with solar on schools.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That revenue is, is really attractive. And so what do you think? Uh, you mentioned a few of them, but going forward, um, you know, shared solar, virtual net metering, metering like what does the market need? Uh, going forward to to lean all the way in?
0: Yeah, you know, we've seen great progress at the policy level um, um, in Virginia in the last few years, the Virginia Clean Economy Act and new shared solar programs and things like that. But we just still have such a patchwork of solar policies in Virginia that it makes it really hard for a lot of our solar developers to do business and for solar to be equitable in Virginia. Because right now we have a lot of these programs that like the RPS that has a distributed generation carve out, that's only available in Dominion Territory. Um, The shared solar program is only available in Dominion Dominion Territory. So that leaves out all of the rural communities and Southwest Virginia communities, you know, aren't able to access these programs. So that's what we're really focused on in the coming year is expanding shared solar access to um, Southwest Virginia and rural parts of Virginia, um, and then also just trying to find more ways to unlock um, equitable equitable solar access through things like multifamily net metering um, and virtual net metering for for localities. You know, we've got this pilot program in Fairfax County that allows for um, a locality to put solar on their landfill and then apply the credits to buildings um, that are owned by the. By the locality that you know aren't right on site, and you can't do that anywhere else other than this pilot program in Fairfax County. Um, so we'd really like to see that expanded out so that um, you know we can take advantage of landfills um, for solar development. It's so important um, from a conservation perspective that we're we're maximizing things like mine lands and landfills and other other brownfields. So I'm sure Vince will will talk about um, you know that there are ways that we can do this um, sustainably. Um, but we have to unlock these little problems where we just you know continue to have barriers to um, those kind of best practice projects.
1: Yeah absolutely Um, because the private sector is, is why I'm so constructive about the future is now even Wall Street's getting behind behind us like the money is starting to flow the capital is there and uh, if, if we can, um, you know, unlock all the bottlenecks, as you said, it'll, it'll get a lot easier, or we can encourage the types of development that we want, even, you know, kind of at each level, at federal level, we're setting policy statewide, but then at the local level, we, we have a lot of, uh, for, you know, some variability in, in what these projects looks like and where they go. So I think, yeah, well, I think there's like 125,000 acres of mine land in Virginia. Um, so, if we need three or four hundred thousand acres of ground-mounted solar, um, you know the mine land can can get us a lot of the way, a lot of the way there. Um, so, uh, sensitive to our time. If anybody has any questions for Chelsea, if you feel free to drop them in the chat. We I think we answered a couple. Um,
0: yeah, I did see from Carol Davis. She asked how those utility-scale projects I mentioned affect the net metering caps. So they they do not count towards the net metering caps because if you're larger. know if you're you're that large of a project you're you're not eligible for net metering anyway so that those all all those utility scale projects do not impact the the net metering cap you have to be three megawatts or or less to be able to net meter Um, and then i think i saw a question about about co-ops as well with community solar or shared solar um, depending on what you want to call it and and yeah right now they've got a small pilot program um for the electric cooperatives in virginia but we're we're working to see if we can Find, find a solution to open up that market more um, next General Assembly session.
1: Awesome. Um, and what about, I'm, uh, I want to ask you about Washington, but th- there is this uh, program, new Brightfields program at, uh, at um, uh, Virginia Energy, formerly known as DMME. Um, but it is it dependent. It hasn't been funded yet. So they need to get funding from Washington. So can you can you speak to that a little bit? Walk us through those mechanics.
0: Sure. So, yeah, I've been um, trying my hardest to uh, unlock some federal funding um, to, to fund that program um, at Virginia Energy. Um, as folks may know, this past legislative session, we did pass a bill that creates a program to provide grants on brownfields and coal mine lands, um, you know, for renewable energy projects on those sites. Um, you know, with, with the Nature Conservancy projects, we see that sometimes, you know, private investments and just large-scale projects and other existing grant funds can unlock these brownfield projects and mine land projects, but. Um, really that's been most successful with really large projects. And so I think this, this fund is really crucial for us to start seeing more, you know, smaller scale commercial projects, be able to, to get funded because brownfield projects are just inherently gonna be a little bit more expensive or significantly more expensive um, than your typical greenfield projects. So, um, you know, we're continuing to work on getting some federal grant funding. You know, I, I was hoping that by by this time, maybe we'd have some good news from the federal level, but things are just really stalled out right now. If you're um, following Twitter today, it's just uh, quite a quite a scene up on, on the hill. Um, so we're, you know, hopeful that we'll we'll see some stuff get um, from the federal government, but we also still are going to continue to pursue state funding. You know, we've got a big budget surplus this year in Virginia, and um, you know, the state is really committed to seeing clean energy development. So let's make it happen in, in disadvantaged communities and on brownfields. Um, you know, there's no reason why we can't um, get some state funding in that in that fund as well. So we'll, we'll work on that as well. So so nothing in the fund yet, but we are very far from giving up on
1: that. Yeah. Uh, Well, there's a lot of money out there, record uh, cash reserves on Wall Street uh, and lots of other funding mechanisms. Maybe there's rumors about, or no, I think it's in the House bill, master limited partnerships for renewables, um, which is something that uh, oil and gas have taken big advantage of. Um, so I think lots of reasons why, uh, the the renaissance power powers forward, no matter what. And thank you for the, the excellent segue to, to our next speaker, Mr. Maiden from DEQ. We're going to be talking a lot more about brownfields, brownfields to bright fields, uh, and landfills. But Chelsea, before we let you go, um, you know, we're at this pivotal moment, kind of the end of the beginning of the renaissance, and it's about to get really, really exciting. I know you believe in a brighter future. You've started a family, um, looking back for posterity, can you give us like one, one idea, one thought, or one final word for the next generation, maybe looking back however many years uh, from now on YouTube?
0: Oh gosh, um, ask, ask a pregnant lady, um, about her message for future generations. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think just that, um, you know, all this work takes time and, um, you know, don't let one failure get you down and don't let five failures get you down because it could be the sixth try that, try that gets you there. So I think we all just have to keep our, um, you know, uh, keep the, the gears rolling, don't give up um, and, and keep pushing forward. And we're going to continue making great strides and seeing really amazing success if we can all continue to work together um, for that brighter future. Thanks for having me, Dan.
1: Yeah, thank you, Chelsea, and thanks for all the work these many years getting us to this point. Uh, It certainly wasn't easy. Uh, It it was kind of one at a time, Uh, sometimes, you know, by the policy, by the project, and by the square foot. Uh, But here we are now, and uh, I couldn't be more thrilled about about this near-term future, all these projects, and all the work that you and all of your colleagues at Appalachian Voices are doing for us. So thank you again. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Virginia Solar Summit live stream and podcast brought to you by Dominion Energy and Mission Disposal. Thanks again to our special guest, Miss Chelsea Barnes, Legislative Director from Appalachian Voices. Follow their work on their website, appvoices.org. That's A-P-P-V-O-I-C-E-S dot O-R-G. On the next episode of the Virginia Solar Summit live stream, part two of our first live stream conversation, Mr. Vince Maiden. Vince is the Brownfields Program Coordinator at the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality, a grizzled economic development veteran, and redevelopment specialist with time in public service. He'll join us to talk about the Brownfields Program, the future of brightfield development, and his secrets for getting to yes and converting NIMBYs into YIMBYs. Plug into the Renaissance on our website, virginiasolarsummit.com. And remember, the future's as bright as we build it.